You're listening to King's Court's Message of the Week from King's Court Church in Kingston, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website, www.kingscourtfmc.com. God is genuinely up to something here at King's Court. I mentioned earlier that this week I had another woman come in off the street and drop off a check for $100. She said that it was to support the church for all that they were doing in our neighborhood. We've had at least nine financial donations come in from neighbors who have never attended a service here. And most have never sat to enjoy a beverage at our cafe, and yet they've dropped off money. Nine of them. I believe God is blessing our faithfulness to his mission. I know that God is wanting to do even greater things in and through this church family. Do you want to be witness to God doing even more miraculous things in and through this church? Yes. Good, because if you weren't, I'm leaving. (laughs) Do you want to be a part of God's mission? God has a mission. Not the church, but God. It's his mission, not ours. But for that mission, God has a church. For that mission, God has us. The church exists not simply to gather on Sunday mornings and sing some songs and hear an exposition on the word of God, enjoy some coffee and conversation, and then depart. No, we, the church, those who claim Christ as our Savior and Lord, we exist to fulfill God's mission. We, the church, gather on Sundays to be equipped, enabled, and encouraged to live into his mission. God is on a mission, and Jesus is the embodiment of that mission. More than 40 times in the book of John, Jesus refers to himself as being sent by God. Sent for what? Sent for a mission. A mission of redemption and reconciliation. A mission of salvation and freedom. A mission that Jesus then sends us on. In the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, and so to us, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We are sent on mission by Jesus. You are called as a Christian by Jesus to engage in this mission. Charles Spurgeon is quoted as saying, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Which are you? Missionary doesn't necessarily mean traveling the globe and preaching the good news. It more fully refers to the intentional commitment to actively promote and pursue redemption reconciliation, salvation, and bring freedom. To be a missionary is to work to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in the midst 
of all the places you find yourself and among all the people in your midst. The church, we are the means by which God's mission is fulfilled. Not a social club, not about what we can get out of it for our sakes, but about advancing his kingdom. Is your life about advancing the kingdom? Is your life about advancing his plans and purposes? Here is the good news. A byproduct of commitment and faithfulness to God's mission is being a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Being a part of something that lasts beyond this life, that lasts beyond this temporal world. Getting in on what God is doing is to do great things in his name. It's to be involved in greatness and all the blessings that come with that. Our church, King's Court, will experience greatness to the degree that we involve ourselves in God's great mission. Do you believe that God can, will, and wants to do even greater things than he has already done here at King's Court? Do you believe that God can, will, and wants to do even greater things through you? Do you firmly believe that he can and wants to do even greater things in your midst? I believe God can and wants to make King's Court, our church, our involvement in his mission even greater. He wants us to be a greater conduit of hope. He wants us to be a greater agent of freedom. He wants to be us, us to be a greater instrument of healing, a greater proponent of reconciliation, a greater propagator of redemption, a greater voice for the good news, a greater witness of faithfulness, a greater intermediary of miracles. Do you believe? I believe. I do so believe. It's why I'm here. People have said, would you come and apply at our church? And I said, no, because I believe God has plans and purposes for King's Court. No, because I believe God is going to do even greater things than we have already experienced. And we need to believe it. Otherwise, it will never come to fruition. We will never live into it. But belief is not enough. It will require believing so much in the greatness of God. It will require believing so much in the greatness of his kingdom. It will require believing so much in the greatness of his mission that we live into it, not just with words, but with our deeds, with our life. Do you believe that God can and wants to do even greater things in and through us here at King's Court? Do you believe that God can and wants to do even greater things through you? then I will share with you now the four C's of a great Christian and in turn a great church. Christ, commitment, commission, commandment. I'm gonna start with commitment. If you want to experience greatness, then you need to be committed. Any athlete will tell you that. Any great scholar will tell you that. Anybody who's achieved any sort of excellence will tell you it required commitment, unwavering commitment. And yet this seems to be a dirty word in our current culture. Commitment appears to be a rare commodity. 
It's been said, and studies suggest that it's true, that young adults are far less willing to commit to very much these days. Work, marriage, faith have all suffered from this growing lack of commitment. And I would contend that it's not simply a young adult issue, but has become an epidemic infecting many under the age of 50. There is no mission without commitment. There is no church without commitment. Chuck Colson goes so far as to say, certain characteristics are so inherent to Christianity that to neglect them is to become a walking oxymoron. A Christian without commitment is such an oxymoron. How can you be as a Christian without death to self and total commitment to Jesus Christ? How can you be a Christian without commitment to death to self and Jesus Christ? Commitment moves us from belief to belonging. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to his church. I'm committed to his people. They are my family. Despite any dysfunction or disappointment, they are my people. And until God calls me out, I am committed to this church. I'm committed to this family here at King's Court. I belong to you. We belong to each other. Like a boyfriend who never proposes to his girlfriend, far too many in the church are playing what author Josh Harris refers to as the dating game in his church. They enjoy the social benefits of church, but they don't want the responsibility that comes with real commitment. They're dating the church. They want the social benefits of church, but don't want the responsibility that comes with real commitment. Mission is not accomplished without commitment. Greatness is never achieved without commitment. When we refuse to commit, we miss out on the great joys of life. When we obsess over ourselves, we lose the meaning of life, which is to know and serve God and love and serve our neighbors. Here is the good news. Committing to a church doesn't tie us down. It anchors us in the storms of life. Committing to a church does not tie us down. It anchors us in the storms of life. With commitment comes the flourishing of society comes calling, comes the flourishing of marriage, comes the flourishing of the church, comes the flourishing of our hearts. It's the paradox Jesus so often shared when he bid us to come and die that we may truly live. Because I am committed to God and his people, I am committed to his mission. Because I am committed to his mission, I am committed to his people. Which brings us to the second C of of all great churches, and that is commission. As a church, what we are committed to will have a direct impact on our greatness. Our first commitment is that first C. Our first commitment is to Christ himself. Because it is only through him that we can do any great thing. And that commitment must include the great commission. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, we read... Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what struck me as I read this in preparation for today's sermon? Something that's never struck me before, despite the hundreds of times that I've read this. What struck me is Christ's commitment to us. He says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us. He is with you. He is committed to his disciples because we are his people. He is committed to us despite the fact that we can be annoying and frustrating and hurtful and selfish and that we can lack faithfulness and we can mess up more times than we care to admit. Still, Jesus is committed to his disciples, those committed to him, even to the end of the age. That's good news, amen? Amen. But I digress. A great church is committed to the Great Commission, to making disciples, not simply believers, but belongers, baptizing and teaching others through word and example to walk in God's will and ways. This is part of the foundation of God's mission. To make disciples is to be part of reconciling others to God, helping them to be restored into right relationship with God through Christ. And that is not just the pastor's role. That is the role of every disciple. It is to commit to praying for the salvation of those who do not have a personal relationship with Christ. It means sharing your own story of the good news of what Christ has done in your life with others. The Bible says, be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. This intimidates even the strongest of Christians, sharing our faith, sharing the hope we have in Christ. Rick Warren offers these four suggestions for sharing your story. Number one, tell them what it was, your life was like before you met Jesus. Then tell them how you realized that you needed Jesus. Then explain how you were born again and the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Rick Warren offers this. He says, think about it. If there's just one more person in heaven because of your influence, your life will have made a difference for eternity. Look around at your mission field. Ask God to show you who he may have put in your life to tell about his love. If just one person in heaven says, thank you, I'm here because you cared enough to share the good news, that will be beyond any other thing you may achieve on earth. To live into the mission of the Great Commission, discipling others, is to come alongside someone else and support them in their Christian walk. To guide them by God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's to speak the truth that sets them free, keeping them accountable in love and supporting them in prayer. And this discipling is not confined to these four walls. Indeed, it often begins at home. It begins with our children. It begins with our spouses. It begins with our parents, and it moves out to our neighbors. It goes into our workplaces with our colleagues. It goes among our friends at school or our places of recreation. It's a commitment to the spiritual well-being of others that models the example of Jesus' commitment, which says, I love you. I believe in you. 
I will keep on loving you with a stubborn love even through those times that you rebel and stumble. Which brings us to the third C of great churches. The great commandment. Before Jesus gave the great commission as recorded in Matthew 28, he first called his disciples to the great commandment, which we read in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, With his reply, they met together to question him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important command in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law And all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Before we can engage the mission of the Great Commission, we must first be striving to live out the Great Commandment. And we can only do this when we recognize and receive the love that God first extends to us. The Apostle John reminds us that we love because God first loved us. And God's love is a committed love, an unconditional love, an extravagant love, a love beyond compare. Pastor Ray Steadman explains that if you expect your spouse or any other person to be the end-all and be-all source of love, you will probably be disappointed. People are not an adequate source of love and they were never intended to be. If you keep depending on people for love, you'll find that their love has limits. It can only go so far and can't meet all your needs. God's love is a love that can meet the deepest needs of your heart. It's a limitless love. It is offered to anyone, despite what you may have done or what has been done to you. All you need to do is receive it. And once we surrender to him, and begin to experience his love, then we can truly begin to love our neighbors. To the degree that you allow yourself to receive and be filled with the love of God, will you be better equipped and enabled to fulfill the mission of loving God and others. We love God by seeking to live faithful, obedient lives, the Holy Spirit helping us. We love God by loving others all others, for our neighbor includes our enemies, as Jesus taught us in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we love others in actions and in truth, not just with our words. If you want to be part of something great, something memorable, something that people stand up and talk about, if you desire King's Court to become an even greater church to the glory of God and to the benefit of all those in our midst, then we need to remember the three C's. A great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment makes for a great Christian and so a great church. A great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment makes for a great Christian and so a great church. Before Advent, we concluded our sermon series on the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. I'd mentioned that I would share what I think a letter addressed to King's Court might read. If you'll remember, most of the letters included both a commendation, a praise, and a correction. Here is what I think God would say to us. King's Court, 
I see your mighty deeds, your commitment, and your love for your neighbors. The angels rejoice. But remember, you can give away all the free pizzas and turkey dinners, but it means little if they are left starving for spiritual sustenance. It's not enough to feed their bellies if their souls are left empty. May your focus on the great commandment find equal weight in your focus on the great commission, that they might receive the bread of life and living water. King's Court, I applaud your love of neighbor, but I wish your love of me would grow even deeper, that you would find balance between your doing and your being. I want to pause there. Because God spoke a word to me over this Christmas season when all of these beautiful things were happening, when all of these blessings were coming in and they came in in droves. God said to me, Kathleen, I see all you're doing. You're doing so much and I'm, I'm so proud of you and I'm so thankful. I see you're striving. I see it. And I applaud it. But I wish you'd spend more time with me being. Because for all you're doing, and for all your striving, you could have never done what I did. For all your doing and all your striving, you could have never made this happen. There is nothing you could have done to have made this possible. Only me. I applaud your love of neighbor, but I wish your love for me would grow. That you would find balance between your doing and your being. You have put the things of the world before me. You have neglected the meeting together of believers. I desire that you would spend more time with me in conversation and prayer, that you would experience and receive more of my love, that your faith would grow deeper, that your trust in me would grow stronger, and that you would allow yourself to surrender and allow me to lead you. I see those being baptized, and the sound of the angels rejoicing is glorious, but I hold this against you. There is a lack of commitment to spiritual growth. Too many are willing to settle for good enough, not realizing that they are living in slave lives, not aware that they are forfeiting blessings, oblivious that they are crippling my mission. Instead, like newborn infants, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Others have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching and serving. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You continue to take without contributing. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. It's time to get to the meat of the matter. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith in God. Recall the radicalness of the gospel. Remember and follow the call of Jesus Christ. It is in serving, being of service, never stopping, always going the extra st step, forgetting about oneself as you continuously seek to grow in love for me and for others. That's what I think you would say. And I think I'm included in that as much as anybody else. And I think there's things where God looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servants. I think there's places where he says, good and faithful servants, you could be doing gooder. Good and faithful servants, you could be faithfuler. Good and faithful servants, I have more for you. And I'm not sharing this to berate you, and I'm not sharing this 
to lay you low. I'm sharing this because I don't want anybody, myself included, to miss out on everything that God has in store for us. I don't want anybody here to miss out on everything that God has from you. I don't want anybody living crippled. I don't want anybody living enslaved. I'd ask those who were in attendance last Sunday to prayerfully consider what commitments the Holy Spirit may be prompting you to make to God's mission here at King's Court. Because until we're all fully engaged in that mission, we are all crippled. Until we're all fully engaged in God's mission here at King's Court, that mission will always be crippled. Every person has a purpose. Every person is part of that mission. So I want to give you an opportunity to write down those ideas you had in just a moment. And if you were not here last Sunday, or if you had some trouble thinking of some commitments, uh, I'm going to offer you some suggestions for your consideration. If you open up your bulletin, you should have a suggestion sheet there. How many of you thought, without telling me what it is, raise your hands, or don't, no, raise your hands. How many of you thought and pray, prayerfully considered what commitment God might be asking you to make to the mission of King's Court? Those of you who were here last Sunday. Good, good. Excellent. Nice. I see that hand. I see that hand. Wonderful. So here are some suggestions. And some of them, when I say suggestions, I mean, they're commandments of God's. <laughs> you know? A commitment to be present each Sunday as an act of worship and obedience to not neglect the meeting together of believers as some are in the habit of doing. A commitment to be present as an extension of love towards God and others, fulfilling the great commission of discipleship, being equipped and enabled to live out God's mission. Consistent church attendance. Now, does that mean every Sunday? No, there's always going to be things that arise. But consistent church attendance, committed church attendance, so you can grow in relationship and be trained for works of service. Commitment to faithful giving. Or, if you are a faithful giver, giving a little bit more as an act of worship. While making it possible to fulfill the great commandment of loving others in practical ways. Because that's what giving does. It makes it possible to fulfill the great commandment so that we can bless others. So that we can continue his work. Imagine with me, if you would, how much more we could do to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment if we were not crippled with a mortgage of $165,085.58. Our mortgage alone is $1,554.86. More disheartening is that $14,914.42 of that last year was paid to interest with only $8,725.78 going to the principal. Imagine with me what we could do if we were absolved of that debt. We can invest more into our children's midweek program. We can invest more into our young adults, our seniors. We can ensure that perhaps we can afford to give someone in need a part-time job. We could add an accessible washroom without going into debt. In short, we would be further equipped to share so that nobody is in need. I'd like you to do something for me over this week. I want to be able to write here all the things that we could do if we didn't have a mortgage. New things, better things. Would you think over this week, would you email me, would you Facebook me, would you call me, would you text me, would you tell me next Sunday? What could we do if we didn't have a mortgage? What could we do with that money that allows us to engage the great commandment and the great commission? That would allow us to further God's mission of redemption and reconciliation, freedom and salvation among us. What about 
contributed to the Great Commission by offering to pick up people for church on Sunday who would otherwise struggle to get here. Miss Eunice, God bless her ever-loving heart, drives in from Highway 15 out into boondocks at 9 in the morning and does two and three trips to pick people up. If you have a vehicle and you have a little bit of extra time and maybe they're even on your way, you could pick people up and bring them to church, those who have trouble getting here, especially in winter. Commitment to prayer. Whether that's at home, every day, praying for King's Court, praying for the volunteers, praying for your pastor, and take it one step further, joining in prayer Thursday mornings. What about a commitment to being discipled? What about commitment to serving God and others through the ministries at King's Court? There's so many. Maybe it's starting a new ministry. What about a commitment to reading through the Bible in a year? I don't know. These are just ideas. I'm not trying to obligate anybody. I'm not trying to guilt anybody because it's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. But this I know. You are all called to be on mission. You are all created with a purpose and you are to be part of that mission here at King's Court. If this is your home, then we need to be invested in this family. We need to be invested in God's mission that he's doing in and through King's Court. Because I can't do it on my own. And I'm not called to do it on my own. And yet if we work together, you've heard me say time and time again, we're stronger together. If we live into God's mission, the great commission, the great commandment, encouraged, equipped, and enabled by Christ, we will be a great church. Amen? Amen. We will be the greatest church. Amen? Amen. The greatest church. Amen? Amen? The best church in all of Kingston. Amen? I think we already are, but that's pride, so I'll let that go. That's a sin. But pray for me. I honestly love this church. I honestly believe God is up to things. And people can look at things and go, well, we didn't meet the budget, or well, God has done such amazing, miraculous, hand-over-fist miracles this Christmas season that I am so motivated, and there is so much momentum that I believe God is saying, go, people, go. Step out in faith. Risk. Because I'm with you. God has shown us now more than he has in my three years here that I am with you. And we will do great things together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great things that you have in store for us. We thank you that you love us, that you forgive us, that you discipline us in a loving way as a perfect father does. Lord, we thank you that you have amazing plans and purposes for us. Oh, Lord, we want to get in on what you're doing. Lord, we want to be a part of your great mission. We want to be a part of the great commandment, the great commission. Lord, we want to see people come to saving faith. We want to see people growing in maturity in Christ. We want to see people set free. We want to see people healed. We want to see people not dealing with mental health issues, God. We want to see people, Father, that are blessed abundantly financially. We want to see people, God, who are just so in love with you. That you are their first, their last, and their everything. God, help us. Help us to live into your mission. Equip us, enable us, encourage us. In Jesus' name I ask it. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.